0: And find your place in the book of Second Kings, uh, the book of Second Kings in chapter number uh, two. Yes, Second Kings in chapter two. We're going to be right there in just a minute. And uh, man, I tell you what, I'm still enjoying the uh, the message we heard last night. I've been feasting on that last night and this morning. I want to thank the Lord for the good preaching last night. And uh, I want to get in whatever God's doing. I want to get in on that. I want to be in on it. And I want it to be inside of me. And I want to be involved in it, and uh, I don't ever want to be on the outside looking in. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm just thankful for all the. I was thinking about all the, all the. When he was preaching last night, I was thinking about all the, all the, all the meetings, the revival meetings, camp meetings, youth camps, all kind of stuff where God did a work inside of me. And uh, I just want to thank God. There's a song that some, I'm sure somebody sings it around here. I've, I've heard it sung several times. It just says. Uh, Uh, That song says, I just wanted you to know. you know what I'm talking about, that song? And there's a phrase in that song that says, uh, for all the times I've seen your glory. For all the times I've seen your glory. Every time somebody sings that song and I hear that phrase, it's just like 30 plus years of just meetings and just times with the Lord just, just fly through my head real fast. And I think about, man, I'm just thankful for all the times uh, that I've seen your glory. It goes along with what Brother Cooper preached, I think on Tuesday night as well, about seeing his glory. And uh, I just want to thank God for that. And my prayer for these morning meetings has just been, Lord, just just speak to our heart, challenge us, e- encourage us. And uh, again, I'll, I'll tell you, like I told you yesterday morning, my plan is not. I'm not trying to. I don't not trying to beat anybody up. I appreciate you coming on a on a Thursday morning, coming to church, and and uh, we've been having revival all week. And I appreciate your willingness to come. And it is a great crowd for morning service. And I, I thank God. I thank God for the opportunity. But at the same time, I do want to preach what Lord put on my heart, and it's kind of a challenge. Just a little bit, but I hope it's encouraging to it edify you and encourage you. And uh, I'm looking at the life of Elisha and what the Lord's put on my heart these days. And I've never preached these things quite like this, just just for these these days. And I may never preach them again. I don't know. It's just what the Lord's put on my heart for these days. And uh, it's uh, not so much the miracles of Elisha, I've preached through those. Uh, but but thinking about the uh, the obstacles of Elisha, thinking about some of the things that he had to face and some of the things that that he overcame. And yesterday uh, we looked at uh, the obstacle of Elisha about forgetting self. Well, the obstacle of self, getting over yourself. And you're gonna have to do that to serve God. You gotta you gotta get over yourself if you're gonna serve God. You gotta abandon self and, and lose your identity and and uh, and find your joy, find your Uh, your plans and find everything for your life find it all in the Lord and I believe Elisha did that had an element of that not that that's the only time he had to do it but I think he did that when he was burning plows and eating cows and and uh, going on to serve God with his life and giving up everything to serve God I think there was an element of forgetting himself and putting God first in his life and so we looked at that the obstacle of forgetting self that's not easy to do and uh, But it is something that he had to, had to deal with. And then this morning, I want to look at this obstacle that Elisha faced. I'm going to call it this, fighting sin. Fighting sin. So we have forgetting self. And this morning, I want to look at the obstacle of fighting sin. I, I think about a quote that I read, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, from the old Puritan writer John Owen. He's, he's known for saying this, Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Think about that. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. And there is a constant fight in our life, not just to forget ourselves and to stay humble, but also a constant fight in our life against sin. Isn't that right? And against the flesh uh, because this flesh wants to sin. I don't know about your flesh, but my, my flesh likes to sin. It wants sin. It craves sin. And I know when we got saved, we become a new creature. But I don't mean this old flesh. Uh, is just gone I wish if there was one false doctrine I wish were true I wish it were that sinless perfection don't you wish that were true once you got saved you didn't have to worry about the old flesh anymore it didn't crave sin anymore and all that and uh, that that my flesh didn't get saved now it will be one day one day it's going to be redeemed thank God and one day God it'll be complete redemption and I'm looking forward to that day uh, but until then, this old flesh—it fights sin. I, like, I'm trying to—I'm trying to fight it tooth and nail, everything I got. And uh, and somebody said, oh, "Preacher, pray for me." He said I'm struggling with sin. Can I tell you something? If you're struggling with sin, that's a good thing, right there. I'm not worried about people that are struggling with sin. I'm worried about them people that seem to enjoy it. Amen. Right. They don't struggle with sin. They don't. Have, they don't ever fight it. It just seems like they just go along with it, wherever their flesh wants to go and whatever their flesh wants to do. That, that's what they do. That's where they go. That's how they live. Listen, I don't want to live like that. I, I want to. I want to fight it with everything that I have. And I'm thankful when you got saved, you had, you you were given and you were equipped with everything that you need. Peter said that pertains to life and godliness. We have it all. You have it all in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have it in your flesh. Your flesh is the problem. It's not not the answer, but we have it in him, and he's in us, and and uh, we have everything that we need. And so I want to think about that th- that thought of fighting sin, and I want you to see a struggle that's taking place here in the life of Elisha, and uh, we'll make some you know typology, some applications here just for uh, some good Bible illustration and Bible truth here, but I want to begin reading in verse 16 is where I want to begin reading, and just a few verses here. Verse 16, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 16, the Bible says, and they said unto him, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. Lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not sin. And when they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, Sinned. They sent therefore fifty men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading of your word. Help us this morning. Lord, I pray that I could just be an encouragement to the people of God, an encouragement to stay in this fight, though it gets long and though it gets weary. Lord, may we never just give up and lay down and let the flesh rule and run our life. Lord, may we constantly, Lord, put on the armor of God and stand where we're supposed to stand and strive and fight like we're supposed to fight. God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord. And I know there's victory to be had. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, for the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, this morning from this text. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, this text describes uh, another interaction that Elisha is having with a group known as the Sons of the Prophets. You'll find them all throughout chapter 2. In fact, that's... uh, I thought we'd maybe look a little bit more at that, but the Lord kind of changed the uh, changed some direction this morning and even last night. And uh, but these sons of the prophets, they are they they are a critical crowd. We see that at the beginning of chapter two, and that's what I was really going to kind of preach on some of that about dealing with uh, dealing with other saints and uh, and other servants that uh, that aren't. I really trying to encourage you to serve God. I hate that this is true, but you know it's true. When you sell out and you surrender and you're going to go for God, listen. Some of the some of the greatest opposition you're going to get in your Christian life is not from the world; That's right. it's from the church folk. It's from people that are supposed to be serving God with you. These sons of the prophets, do you see them in chapter 2. We're not going to take time, but if you know your Bible, you know that, that, that Elisha is focused on Elijah. He's just trying to go wherever Elijah's going, when they go to Gilgal, when they go to Bethel, when they go to Jericho. He's just trying to stay with uh, the man of God wherever he goes. And everywhere he goes, it seems like this group that's supposed to be serving God as well, they're taunting him and mocking him, and they're critical of his commitment. They said, don't you know your master's going to be taken from you? And I like what Elisha says to him. He says, "He yea, says, I know it, hold ye your peace. Can I translate that? I'm not changing the Bible, but he says, yeah, I know, shut up. Amen. And if you're not supposed to say that word, don't say that word, all right? Uh, but uh, we say it a lot in my house, we probably shouldn't. But anyway, uh, most of the time it's, it's my wife telling me. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, he said, "Yeah, I know it. I know. It. Just be quiet. Just leave me alone." And I tell you, there's going to be a lot of that in serving God. It's going to be a lot of, "Hey, listen. If you're not going to encourage me, leave me alone." The preacher was admonishing us last night about that, wasn't he? Listen, there's some people. Listen, you. I mean, listen, you. 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 You gotta love them, you know. You, I mean, there's a love in your heart for them. But listen, they're not encouraging you to serve God. And there's got to be a just look. You just got to leave me alone. I'm trying to stay focused on serving God. But there is a there is a critical and I'm trying not to preach on this because the preacher I was going to preach on this a little bit and the more Brother Cooper preached on it last night that, that message just grew wings and it flew away he did a great job covering all that about the critical crowd that they stand back because not only are they a critical crowd but they're a casual crowd yeah. because they're viewing from afar off I mean there's a, there's a, a Elisha in the, uh, down there with Elijah and they're standing on a mountain somewhere way off looking but yet they're in their tower like the preacher preached last night but they got a lot to say don't they? and they got a lot, a lot of opinions but they're not going to get in the death waters of Jordan with you but they're going to stand back and, and watch and criticize and I tell you what, there's a, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a devastating impact that that crowd faces not just in their life but can I tell you, criticism, it's almost like it's genetic it has an influence on your children, did you know that? A lot of times you see critical kids and critical teenagers and stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying this is every time. A lot of times they're just that way because that's what they hear at home. That's right. And you know, later on in this chapter when the man of God, when Elisha's in Bethel, you know there's 42 children that get eaten up by two she-bears? Now I'm not trying to make connections and draw lines where there's not one, but did you know where he was criticized by some of these sons of the prophets? It was in Bethel, is in that same place. And can I tell you something about children? They just don't go out and make fun of people unless they've been hearing that stuff at home they knew about the go up part you know about Elijah going up in a whirlwind and they're making fun of his bald head I can just see these mamas and daddies and they're supposed to be in Bible college and they're supposed to be serving God and they're supposed to be these sons of the prophets and the people that love God and they're sitting at home and they're criticizing Elisha saying, well Elisha he'll never be like Elijah and, man he'll never he'll never be able to do what Elijah did and, and, uh, and all the and they're just criticizing the man of God and even man you know Elijah had this nice you know hairdo and he had this nice and, and Elijah he don't even have any hair. He's bald, you know, and he's he's nothing like Elijah. And you know what? Them kids sit at the table, and they heard all that, and then they go out, and when they saw Elisha passing through town, they only knew one response to the man of God, and that was to make fun of him because that's what mom and daddy was doing. And it cost them their life. I ain't preaching that, but if I was, that's some stuff I would have (laughs) said. They're a critical crowd. They're a casual crowd. But let me tell you something else. They're, they're, They're a carnal crowd. They're a carnal crowd. That's what I want to look at. They're they're a type of the flesh. They're a picture of the flesh. They're they're trying to form some silly search committee. They ain't got enough God about them to know what God's doing. Taking Elijah up in a whirlwind and and in the chariot of fire. Listen, God's not going to drop Elijah on some mountain somewhere. This is some silly, fleshly, carnal pursuit... ...and they put a committee together to do something that's not even close to the will of God. They're a picture of the flesh. I want you to see that. They're a picture of the flesh in their striving. They are fighting. You see two entities here. Don't you see an argument that's taking place here? You have the one that is anointed. You have the one, he's the man of God. He has the mantle. You have the one that knows the mind of God. And here he is, and he knows He knows what's going on. God's using him. God's speaking through him. And then you got another crowd over here... And they don't know God. They wouldn't know God if he was standing in the middle of a field with a name tag. And uh, they, they don't know anything. They're just trying to figure out things and come up with things on their own. And there's a fight that's taking place. There's, a, there's two forces at work. There's a spiritual entity and there is a carnal entity, a fleshly entity. And they are at odds one with another. One has the touch and the approval of God. And the other is fighting against it. Can I tell you, that sounds a little bit like my life. I'm not even talking about church. I'm talking about inside of my breast. I'm talking about inside of me. There are two entities at work. There is the entity that is saved. There's a part of me that's got the touch of God, anointed of God, has the mind of God, trying to do the will of God. But I don't know about you, but there's another part of me that's always fighting against it. It's always bringing up fears. Well, maybe God's not going to come through. Maybe God didn't do exactly what He said He was going to do. And, you know, maybe we need to try to help God a little bit. And man, there's some fears inside of me. Uh, there's, that, there's that flesh inside of me. And it's always trying to pull me away from the will of God and to doubt the Word of God, to try to step outside of the bounds of the will of God, to find, find satisfaction and fulfillment for my life. And there's a struggle. There's a striving that's going on. That's our life. That's how you live. If you feel like you're going crazy, sometimes because there's two forces at work inside of you. Listen, you're not going crazy; you're just saved. Amen. Yeah. Somebody said in marriage two become one, but in salvation one becomes two. That's right. Isn't that true? that the truth? Listen, sometimes we have a harder time after we get saved than before we got saved because before you got saved, I mean, you just did whatever your flesh wanted you to do, and it just went. Right. But now there's a now there's something fighting against that. Isn't yeah. isn't that right? Now there's an Elisha here and there's a there's a striving. I want you to notice their striving. That's a type of the flesh. I want you to notice their strength. That's a type of the flesh. You notice what they emphasize in verse number sixteen? He said, "There be with thy servants fifty strong men." We got some of the strong. They got they got fifty Hulk Hogans. They got fifty Arnold Schwarzeneggers. Man, they, they said, "Man, we got some strong men." They're going to be. Like, if anybody can find a, like, if God, if the Holy Spirit didn't have enough juice, you know, to get Elijah all the way. There, if the, if that chariot of fire ran out of gas halfway to glory, then with these strong men, they got enough strength. Man, they've been pumping iron. Man, they're they're the Navy. Man, they can they can they know tracks and they can see trails and, and man they they, they they know it all. They know these mountains, they know these hills, they know every 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 back road and, and they, they know it all. And if anybody could anybody could 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 help God, if anybody could, you know, you know do do some maybe God wasn't able to you know get it all done. These strong men will be able to get done. Can I tell you that's just like the flesh, isn't it? It's always trying to get the physical to help the spiritual. Listen, God doesn't need your strength, Amen. God doesn't need my strength. In fact, He works more in our weaknesses. He He can do more with fifty weak men than He can do with fifty strong men. You know why? Because it's God that gets the glory when He uses our weaknesses instead of our strength. But that flesh, it's always operating in the natural. Elisha was relying on the power of God He didn't need strength He had the power of God These sons of the prophets were trying to calculate and figure and form How they could use strength and brute strength to get the will of God done And get the work of God done And that's how the flesh is It's always physical strength uh, it's 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 my money and my manpower and my 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 uh, uh, you know planning and my 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 ingenuity and my my IQ and all these things. Listen, God doesn't need anything. He can get more accomplished with a nobody from nowhere than he can with somebody who thinks they have it all together. We don't need a church full of millionaires. We need a church full of prayer warriors and people that love God and want to serve God. He can do more with that than he can do with anything. Amen. Their strength, their striving. Not all that, but their subtility. I think they're like the flesh and their subtility as well. It's, an, it's amazing. We didn't read this verse, but if you'll back up one verse, when they saw Elisha take that mantle up of Elijah and smite those waters, notice what it says. When they saw the, saw him, they said here, here verse 15: the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. Now look what it says. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They came and ran to Elijah and they they come down and bowed. What they were saying is, Elisha, you are our master now. But how many of you notice in the very next verse, they start arguing with Elisha. About what the plan is. Listen, you can bow down all you want and you can say whatever you want. But if you don't do what the master says do, you're not a servant. That's right. And let me tell you how the flesh is so subtle. Let me tell you how the flesh is so sneaky. Here's how the flesh works. It, it, it presents itself as a servant, but it really just wants to be your master it presents itself as a servant but it really just wants to be in charge it's best never that's why we ought to make no provision for the flesh there's been a, that's how sin works it's very subtle it comes said listen you can use me and i'll help you have a good time but listen there's a day when you mess around with sin there's a day you're going to wake up and you're not the master anymore. Playing with sin, sin is the master, and it's telling you what to do. And there's been a lot of people let sin in their life and let flesh run their life because they think they could use it to have a good time. But then it's not. It's not long they find out. You know what? Uh, I'm the servant to sin. I'm not the servant of sin, uh, or I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, the, the master of sin. I'm the servant of sin. It always presents itself as a servant, but it always ends up trying to be the master and trying to run the show and that's exactly how they, they come down and they bow right down in front of Elisha but really they had their, they had their own agenda didn't they? They didn't come to Elisha's feet and say alright tell us what we need to do we're, we're your servants you're the new master now you tell us what you want us to do no they came and they acted like they were going to be a servant to Elisha but really they came with their own plans and their own agenda they'd already put a committee together had a plan together 50 strong men they had their maps and their compasses and their binoculars and they had it all together because they already had an idea of what they're going to do And that's exactly how the flesh works and Let me just give you just a few admonitions uh, That we can learn From Elisha When we're fighting against sin And we're fighting against, against the flesh Let me give you just a few encouragements here And th- things we can do Number one, fighting sin, fighting the flesh Number one, I want, you to, I want you to Put this down here First of all, the first thing we need to do Is recognize the desires of the flesh recognize the desires of the flesh you know the entire listen the entire point of this search committee that was put together by these sons of the prophets the entire point of this search committee well listen was to seek out something it's actually a someone elijah but it's a something to seek out something listen that god had removed out of their life god had taken something out of their life don't i mean you know this that god is a remover did you know that he is a remover. God will remove things out of your life. God is a taker sometimes. He will take things out of your life. Now listen, He's, not, he's a giver. I'm thank, I thank God He's a giver. And whenever God removes something out of your life, it's because He's going to make room for something better. Now it may not be what you had in mind, but it's going to be something better. It, because it's going to be His will and what He wants to put in your life. But God will take things out of your life, and God will remove things out of your life. Some things are just automatically removed because they're Outside of the bounds of the will of God and the word of God. And it's stuff we're not supposed to be messing with. And it's stuff we're not supposed to be dealing with. And it's things that we ought to leave alone. And so we ought to have nothing to do with them at all. Uh, but God will take things out of our life that we ought not to, uh, to go back and try to find. And that's exactly what Elijah was to them. No doubt he was special to them. No doubt he was loved by them. No doubt he was important to them. But God took him. He's gone. He's gone. That means he's gone. That means you don't go look for him. That means you don't try to go find him. That means you don't, you don't try to you know, recover him. When God takes something, listen, first of all, you ain't going to find it when God takes it. Number two, you don't need to go looking for it. But you know what the flesh wants to do? The flesh always wants to go and search and seek for those things that God has removed out of your life. The flesh always desires things that God has placed outside of his word and outside of his will and outside of his work for your life, the flesh always wants what God said you can't have. That's right. That's what flesh is. The flesh is naturally that way, isn't it? Yeah. Man, we're just we're built because of the, because of the the fall in the Garden of Eden. We're born sinners, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to learn. You don't have to learn how to be a rebel. I got a little one year old. I've not taught him how to be a rebel, but he's doing a pretty good job so far. His mom may be giving him some secret lessons, I don't know, when I'm not looking. But I doubt it. Uh, listen, that boy, he just knows. He knows or rebels. Somebody said, them babies, they're a vi- they're a, it's a viper in a diaper. Hey, man, I, I don't know. I, I, can, I can see some of that being true, you know. No doubt about it. But you don't have to, it's, it's just innate. It's inside of us. We're just rebels. Not just against God, but just any God-placed authority in our life. You know, if you see a sign that says, you know, wet paint, do not touch. What do you want to do more than anything in the world? Just like, just want to see, right? Because there's something inside of us that just wants to rebel. When there's a line drawn, when they say, don't cross this line. Well, listen, I want to cross that line. Have you ever been on the interstate and you see them cones, you know, and and, and, and marking off a whole, you know, a lane of traffic and, and you think there's nothing going on over there? How many of you ever just wanted to hit one of those cones, boom, you know? How many have you ever hit a cone? I've, I don't know. I may have, but not on purpose. But sometimes I just want to cross the line. If there's a line, I want to cross it. If there's some, don't do this. You know, don't think about the color red. You know, what's everybody thinking about right now? That's just how we're. That's how we're wired. When God says don't, and say here's a line, don't step across it. That's what we want to do. Can I tell you where those desires are coming from? That's your flesh. That's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God inside of you is always leading you towards truth. It's always leading you towards righteousness. It's always leading you towards honoring the will of God and the Word of God. But that flesh, it's always wanting to search for and seek after and pull you towards something that God has placed outside of His will for you at that time. The flesh always wants what's outside of the will of God. And that spiritual man, Elisha, although was he heartbroken when Elijah left? Yes, read the text. He cried out, my father, my father. Yes, he's not happy that Elijah's gone. He's not happy that he's lost his spiritual father. He's not happy about those things but yet at the same time there is a contentment in the will of God. There is a satisfaction in the will of God. He understands this is God's will for his life. This is what God's doing. This is God's program. He calls the shots and and, and there's a contentment and so it is with with every saved person. Inside of you there's the Spirit of God and he is content with the will of God. He's content with whatever God wants to take out and whatever God wants to put in. He's content with those things, but there's the flesh that's never content. That's right. Never content. Paul said in the book of Galatians, he said that the flesh lusteth against the spirit. There's a battle inside of us. That word lusteth, it means a strong desire for that which is forbidden. There's a The reason you'll never reconcile the two enemies that live inside of you until we get to glory is because there's no middle ground for them to agree upon there's the spirit he wants to always honor God there's the flesh that wants to always pursue that which is outside of the bounds of God's word and God's will and you can easily spot the source of your desires but all you gotta do is just line them up with the word of God What what does God say What does God say? In fact, I don't know how, I'm not sure exactly how everybody knew That this was the time that Elijah was going to be taken in the whirlwind to heaven. But everybody knew it in verse number 1 of chapter 2. It says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Everybody knew it. The sons of the prophets in Gilgal knew it or in Bethel knew it and Jericho knew it. They all knew it. Everybody knew that this this is what God had said. I I, I think possibly a, a, a plausible explanation would be that Elijah sat everybody down and told them. He said, look, God showed me, He's about to take me. God showed me uh, that I'm about to leave. This is the word of God. This is the will of God. I'm gonna go to glory. He's taken me to heaven. That's what it says. I'm yeah. gonna be taken up into heaven by whirlwind. All the way, all the way to glory, all the way to heaven. This is the word of God. This is the will of God. And it was clearly spelled out to everybody. Everybody seemed to know it. And yet, these sons of the prophets, they have a desire that doesn't line up with the revealed Word of God and the revealed will of God. You can always test. In fact, you should always test your desires with the will of God and the word, with the Word of God, with the Word of God. If it doesn't line up, listen, that's not the will of God for your life. Right. I know that's simple preaching, but isn't that right? I mean, test it with it. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Prove it all with the Word of God. You need to recognize the desires of the flesh. Recognize. Have you ever struggled with that? Like, is this from me or is this from God? I'm going to tell you something. God will will reveal it to you in in, in His Word. He'll show it to you. You line it up with the Word of God. Recognize the desires of the flesh. Number two, resist the drive of the flesh. Resist the drive of the flesh. It's amazing here that these men, they they, they come to Elisha with this request. Let's send a search committee out and let's find a search party. and Let's go find Elijah. And uh, and immediately, what does Elisha tell them? Ye shall not sin. That's in the end of verse number 16. Ye shall not sin. No, the answer is no. But what do they do? They continued in verse number 17. They urged him. They urged him. You know what that means? It means they kept asking, they kept asking, and they kept asking, and they kept asking. How many of y'all got kids like that? They just keep you say when you say no, they just keep asking and keep asking. Well, honestly, there's a remedy for that. If you do got kids like that, uh, anyway, you can talk to talk to your preacher. That's a good idea, and uh, talk to the our preacher. Hey, man, I like that, and uh, he'll help you out with that. But there's a remedy. They don't I, listen. If my dad said no, and uh, and if I were to ask again, I would be in a lot. I mean, I would get a very 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 nasty look, a very scary look. And if I had the audacity to ask again, I'm sure I would wake up in a in a hospital 6 months later, you know. I mean, that's just I mean, when dad said no, that meant no, right? That means no, but can I tell you something? There's some kids they're, 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 they've not been trained. There's no discipline. There's no fear of parents. There's no fear of retribution or anything. And, and they're just immaturity, and, uh, and, and they don't respect authority. And they'll just keep asking and asking and asking and asking. Can I tell you that's how your flesh? Your flesh does not respect authority. Uh, your flesh does not have any fear of God at all. Your flesh does not respect, and it will just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. And can I tell you something about the flesh that everybody can say, "Amen." to because we all know this by experience, it never gives up, does it? That's right. It never gives up. Man, right. I tell you, one of the most discouraging things I ever heard was Brother Blue get up in class one time and tell us uh, uh, students, and he said, you know what? I, um, I don't remember how old he was then. I think he was probably already in his 70s, maybe late 60s then when I was about And he said, you know what? Even at this age, the flesh never quits. I still have temptation and I still fight this and I'm still struggling with that. And I thought, are you kidding me? I mean, Doctor Ballou, I mean, he's a he. He was a candidate to be like you know a part of the Trinity or something like that. I mean, he's an old man and old preacher. And man, if he's still struggling, I thought, man, what chance in the world do I have? I will tell you what chance we have. We got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And I don't care how old you are and how long you've been saved. You can been saved. You can be saved four hundred years. It don't matter. You are still gonna be struggling with your flesh. You know why? Because it never quits. You can crucify it and you can mortify it, but you got to do it all over again and all over again because it never quits. It just, it just keeps urging. It just keeps urging. It just keeps urging and urging. It has a drive. But I, can I tell you what you gotta do? You just gotta keep resisting. That means every single day of your life, you gotta get up and you gotta submit yourself to God and you You've got to resist the devil. And The Bible says he'll flee from you. You've got to make no provision for the flesh. You've got to crucify this flesh. You've got to die to self and be alive unto God. And I tell you, that's an everyday thing. You know why you've got to be on guard every day? Because the flesh don't take a day off. It never takes a day off. It's always urging, always urging. It's the drive of the flesh, always urging until, until you eventually give in. That's what it wants. It wants surrender. It won't surrender. The flesh is relentless until it gets its way. And so it works in our lives through continuation. And then not only while it's working in continuation, it just never stops. It works through manipulation. Because yeah. notice what it says in the text here. It says that they, ur- he, they urged him till what? He was ashamed. Yeah. That's what the ashamed means. It means embarrassed is what it means. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what they were saying. But I, if I could just use my imagination, maybe they were saying stuff like this: "Man, Elisha, I thought you really loved Elijah. I thought he meant something to you. I thought, you know, I, I thought, I thought, you know, he was he was like a spiritual father to you. Think about all the things. What if he's what 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 if he's starving to death?" On the side of some mountain cliff somewhere. What if he's hanging on for dear life? Well, you know, what what, what what if he was casting something? He don't have anything to drink, and he don't have anything to eat, and he's out there all alone, and it gets so cold at night, and these deserts, and man, he's just out here, and, and, and you don't even care. You're just going to sit right here and take his spot. This is probably what you wanted all along, Elisha. You wanted to take his, uh, his mantle, and you wanted to take his position, and you just think you're all... And they, I don't know if they're saying these things like that, but that would be stuff that would make me ashamed. And they're preying on his insecurities and they're preying on his doubts and his fears and they're preying on all that. Can I tell you, the flesh knows how to work you over. How many times have you ever denied your flesh? How many times have you ever took a stand against sin and said, "You know what? I can't go along with that. We're not going that way. I, I, I'm not doing that." And even in my own life, or even 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 with with others, and you just had to say, "Look, I I, I just can't. That's just fleshly. That's carnal. I'm not doing that. I'm not going that way. I'm not going." And, and, and how many times have you ever do, done that, just for your flesh to turn around and make you feel like the bad guy? You ever feel like the bad guy because you took a stand for what's right? Yes, i am tell you what that is. That's your flesh. Yep. Yes, sir. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never make you feel like the bad guy for doing what's right. That's I'm gonna tell you something, the, the, but 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 the devil he's so deceptive, and your flesh is so subtle and sneaky. It has a way. It has a way to make you feel No matter no, no no matter what you try to do, your flesh just it turns it around and makes you feel like you're the bad guy for saying no. Satan will stir up other carnal people. He'll stir up other people that will criticize you and say, "Well, that pre-, he's just so judgmental, and he's he's a legalist, and and he's just he thinks he's better than everybody else." When all the while you're not. Trying Trying to do all you're trying to do is do what's right and do what god told you to do and and stand for truth and and try to try to lead your, yourself and your family and your church leading in in the in the path of righteousness and spirituality but that carnal crowd and that carnality inside of you has a way to turn it all around say what are they doing they're just trying to get you to give in they're just trying to get you to surrender and he will stop it. he has no shame listen you know why you know why the devil don't quit you know why elijah quit because he had some shame he got a shame you know why the devil don't quit and your flesh don't quit? Because it don't have any shame. It never get, It's not ashamed about anything. It don't get embarrassed about nothing. And it'll never quit and it'll never give in. It'll just keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. And listen, you might get to the feeling, you feel like you're outnumbered. But can I tell you something? Listen, you and God are always the majority. You're never outnumbered. You're never outnumbered. And if you'll submit yourself to God and you will resist the devil, listen, he will flee from you. That's what the Bible says. That first thing is submit yourself to God. You run to God and you reckon yourself as a servant of God and say, you know what? I don't make my own decisions. I can't call the shots. This isn't up to me. God's already made the decision about this thing in my life and, I, and you submit yourself to God. You resist the devil. And The Bible says he'll flee from you. That's right. Listen, when we're dealing with the flesh and dealing with sin and dealing with our enemy, we have to learn to get the grace from God to say no to the flesh. He has grace for us to say no. And we have to be just as persistent fighting sin as the flesh is pushing sin and urging us. sin. Because temptation is an everyday reality, so sanctification must be an everyday pursuit. It's got to be every day. It's got to be every day. You can take a day off when your flesh decides to take a day off. But it don't ever take a day off, does it? So when we're fighting the flesh, we're fighting sin in our life, we're going to win this war against sin in our life. First of all, we're going to have to recognize the desires of the flesh. Secondly, we need to resist the drive of the flesh. And then lastly, let me give you this and I'm done. We need to remember the disappointment of the flesh. We need to remember the disappointment of the flesh. How many of you know this This little excursion here to go find Elijah on some mountain, it was doomed before it ever got started, wasn't it? I mean, how, how many of every reader, everybody reading this text, you already know, that's stupid. <laughs> that's silly. What, what a waste of time. And if you're not supposed to use that word, don't use that word either, I'm sorry. Uh, what a waste of time. What are they doing? I mean, 50 strong men, they go out for three days? I mean, you're literally, what a waste of time. I mean, there's, there's a million other things that would be much more productive than looking for something. Here's why it's a waste of time. Because they were looking for something that wasn't there. That's right. They were searching for something. Listen to this. They were searching for something that they were never going to find. That's right. And that's how the flesh will send, the flesh will send you on a pursuit yeah. to look for something that doesn't exist. The flesh will send you on a pursuit to try to find something that's not even there and so it only has one anytime you've ever pursued sin it's not because you wanted sin it's because you wanted pleasure it's because you wanted gratification it's because you wanted fulfillment nobody goes off saying man I just, I just want sin we love sin because there's what in sin for a season there's pleasure in sin for a season that's what it is uh, that, that, That's we don't think about the wages we don't think about the cost we think about, we think about, we think about but, but listen how many of you know this that that pursuit of sin you're pursuing pleasure you're pursuing fulfillment you're pursuing gratification but it only get that's what it promises that's what it says it'll give you that's what it that's what it that's what it says that it's going to hand you but it only ever gives you one thing and that's what disappointment you're always disappointed when you when you give in to sin because it's never going to find you're never going to find what you're looking for the flesh is searching for satisfaction and searching for fulfillment but it will absolutely never find it sin is always tempting us, tempting us to search for the unfindable, yes. that which does not exist. It convinces us that it's out there somewhere. That's what Satan did with Eve in the garden he painted this picture to eve of there's something out there just beyond the will of god just outside the boundaries of the word of god there's something right out there it's this knowledge it's this enlightenment it's this 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 higher level of living and if you'll just step outside of these bounds if you'll just uh, if you'll just cross over listen everything you've ever wanted it's just all right over there all you got to do is just cross over but how many of you know did eve find enlightenment did she find a higher form of living did she find fulfillment sacrifice Satisfaction Did all her wildest dreams come true? No, i tell you what she found. She found disappointment. Disappointment. That's the only thing you'll ever find when, when the flesh goes looking for something. When you follow the flesh on its little pursuit, there's only one discovery it ever makes, and that's disappointment. Every single time. Solomon went on a quest like this, didn't he? He left God. He forsook God, the God that gave him wisdom and the God that blessed him and gave him everything that he had. And he went after all these other gods. But he was on a quest for fulfillment satisfaction. And he thought, you know what? He sent his certain little flesh search committee on uh, over here and they were building buildings. And he had the biggest, nicest buildings you've ever seen and gardens and, and he had this. And, and I mean, everything, anything that he ever... He, he never told himself, no, he went after this and he went after that and he went after that. And he, he, his flesh went on these little search party, I mean, search uh, excursions for every little thing that life could ever ever tempt him with and he went after all of it and he had one word to say about everything that he's ever looked for what's the word that comes up in Ecclesiastes over and over and over again it's vanity what does vanity mean it's an emptiness it's nothingness and the book of Ecclesiastes is written by a man who has went out to look for everything but he feels like he has nothing He's a disappointed man. You know, Ecclesiastes is the anti-Philippians. Have you ever thought about that? Ecclesiastes, I'm just throwing this in here. Ecclesiastes was written by a man who had everything but was miserable. Philippians was written by a man who had nothing. He's sitting in a jail cell. Yeah. But he can't quit talking about joy. Every chapter, he's a joy, right. joy. he said joy, joy. He felt like he had everything. Isn't that amazing? Yes, exactly. You'll have more fulfillment sitting. Don't go out looking for stuff. You just sit down and be content with where God puts you and what God has given to you. And I promise you'll have more peace and more rest than that crowd that has 50 strong men and they're out under every bush and looking. And we're almost going to find out, oh, he's out here somewhere. You're looking for something that doesn't even exist. That's right. Because you don't trust God. Vanity. And how does the text end? It ends with Elisha saying, Did I not say unto you, go not? You know how it ends? It ends with a, I told you so. I told you so. Can I tell you, that's how every excursion for sin ever ends. It ends somewhere along the line with a preacher or at least the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, Hey, I told you so. I told you. And listen, I, I, I... I, I, listen, when somebody messes, ruins their life, and, and, and wrecks their life in sin, goes off, and uh, listen, I, I don't call them up on the phone and be like, "Told you." <laughs> now, do I want to? Absolutely, absolutely, I want to. But now I don't, I don't do that. But you have to think, when somebody's living in the—I mean, in the in the in the utter disappointment of what sin has at, actually delivered—it's not what it promised, but it's what it gave them. They know. They, they they know, that I man. I wish I'd have listened to the preacher. I wish I'd have listened to the Holy Spirit. That's right. I wish I'd never done this because it ends with just a big, I told you so. That's the way living after the flesh will always end. How many illustrations do we need? How many illustrations? I, I'm sure everybody in here could get up, either give a personal story or something they know of of, of an I told you so. Somebody, you, they went out of the flesh, they were warned not to. They let the flesh run their life and rule their life. And it just ended in utter disappointment. It always ends like that. That's why we got to fight it. That's why we got to stand up to it. And that's why we got to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's why we got to wear the armor of God. That's why we got to mortify this flesh. That's why we got to w- walk in the spirit. That's why we that's why we can't make any provision for the flesh because it'll always trick you and deceive you and destroy your life and leave you absolutely empty. In fact, what's amazing is Verse fifteen at the end, and I'm done. They bowed themselves to the ground before him. That's good. You know what? What if they'd have done that, and then instead of verse sixteen, start talking. Verse sixteen, they start talking. Yeah. What if they'd have bowed themselves before Elisha, and just started listening? And said, Elisha, what's 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 your plan? What do you want us to do now? But no, they they bowed themselves before Elisha, and then they started with their plan. They started with everything. I'm telling you where we need to stay. We just need to stay at his feet. And instead of bringing our own plans and our own agendas and all that, we just just need to listen and say, You're in charge. What do you want for my life? And I promise you, it won't end in disappointment. It'll end in, you'll get some delight. You'll get satisfaction and fulfillment for your life. And we all, every single one of us, we all have a flesh problem, don't we?